0: Pastor Joey was exactly right. It was two thousand thirteen <laughs> that uh, our, the commissioning was in two thousand thirteen, but uh, the church signed on to, to tell uh, the group that we're with that uh, we want to be we want to be their sending organization. Um, back in two thousand eight, that happened. And but be before that, and even as a as a single single guy, I suppose most, if not all, single guys really really need the right wife, uh, but you guys helped see me through that process of grabbing the best. And you've been with us so many steps, and it's been fantastic to have uh, a ascending church uh, such, as, such as this one. Uh, we really appreciate the, the Maranatha Church family, and we look forward to seeing what God continues to do in your lives and ours in the, the days and years to come. It's a, it's a great privilege to be here with you. We, we watch from our little air-conditioned room on the other side of the planet. Uh, when these services come on, we have a, an afternoon service uh, ourselves over there. And then in the evenings, often we are we're watching the, the Maranatha sermons. And so uh, it's great, a little surreal, but great to be here with you uh, today. And I'm looking forward to sharing opening the Word of God and seeing what the Lord will do in our hearts together today as a congregation. Uh, So before we look into God's Word, let's look to Him in a word of prayer. Father, we thank You so much that You have done such wonderful things for us. In Christ, we have every spiritual blessing. Every day, You watch over us. Every day by day, you grant us the strength that we need. Every day, you are working all things together so that we might be better Christians for you. And today, Lord, you've brought these specific people to this place, including myself, to learn and gain from your word. Others may be watching online even. And your word is powerful Your Word, Father, is what will do its work today because you have promised, as believers especially and even for unbelievers who may be here listening today, your Holy Spirit convicts, your Holy Spirit takes the Word and presses it deeply upon us, causing us to know how we ought to change. And we praise you. And we thank you for that work that you do in our hearts. And together today, Lord, we ask that you would do that. This is not my time or our time, Lord. This is your time where you have gathered us together. Already, we have been preaching to each other with song, preaching to each other about your goodness, about your grace in our lives. We have been praying to you through song. We have been reading your word together, and we pray that as we continue in our meeting here, looking into your word so that we can change, we pray that your Holy Spirit would indeed be active in our midst, so that your work may be done. We love you, Lord, and we thank you in Christ's name. Amen. If you would please turn in your Bibles to Second Timothy chapter three, the same passage that was Read as part of the scripture reading or as the scripture reading today. 2 Timothy chapter 3. Not everything that is true is helpful sometimes we can offer advice or opinions or suggestions that may as well have been left unsaid. They might be true, but they're not really helpful to anybody. Websites or Facebook pages might give us lots and lots and lots of information and lots and lots and lots of information, right? We'll find out what some company thinks about their own product, yay, right? Or what some news agency thinks about uh, the, the headlines of the day, That might be something that we can take it or leave it. Uh, those, uh, we can waste, perhaps, minutes or hours or days of our lives, depending on how much time we give to that, by devoting our time and attention to some of those things. We can become easily totally enamored with the overload of information that comes our way. But God's Word is not like these throwaway bylines. God's Word is not full of just haphazard suggestions, or things that, take it or leave it, it may not really be even essential for us, and if we dig into it, we're not really going to get much help, no. God's Word is not full of throwaway bylines. God's Word is what we need. In 2 Timothy 3, Paul informs Timothy that life is not really easy, and it's not going to get any easier for him as a pastor, uh, Second Timothy was written not not so much to young Pastor Timothy as to Pastor Timothy. Young Pastor Timothy was First Timothy, and a number of years went by between the writing of First and Second Timothy. Paul was at the uh, towards the end of his earthly ministry because he was towards the end of his life and about to be martyred for his work in the faith, and he tells his protege, "Stick to what you know is right." That's the context of our passage today. And in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, our main focus to today for today. Paul tells Timothy this, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 16 and 17, all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. In this short passage, we find some very important truths about God's truth. The first simply is this. God's Word comes from God. God's Word comes from God. You would say, well, Brother Alex, that is quite simple. But if you don't get that, if you don't believe that, then you are in a lot of trouble when it comes to actually navigating life. when it it comes to actually taking the Word of God and getting anything good out of it, if you don't start there, you don't have anything. There are many, many, many libraries around the world, are there not? Full of books, full of books. But there's one book that is completely different than all other books. Do you believe that? Do you believe that the Bible, at its core, the Bible, foundationally, The Bible and our attitude towards it is fundamentally completely different from every other book in the entire world. Why? It's because of this truth. God's Word comes from God. This is a very important passage telling us about this doctrine that we call inspiration. Beginning of verse 16 says this, All Scripture is breathed out by God. That's a wonderful translation. The concept is kind of like this, all, all Scripture, Scripture means literally writings, all writing, but in this, in this context, as he's already been talking about it in the previous couple of verses, everything written out comes from the, re- from the breath of God. When it was written, it was as if, oh, there it is, right there. Every single word, when we see this here, all Scripture is breathed out by, by God. How much of Scripture comes from God. All of it. All of it. We know that God uh, didn't himself write like with the, that he did with the Ten Commandments when he wrote with a finger onto stone. Okay, He didn't do that for all of the Bible. right? He used men. Second Peter tells us that he used men to write the Bible. And we find even some of their own personality in those writings. They weren't robots, but the God worked with them such that what we actually have on the page came from God. I don't know if you've had an opportunity to go to some kind of museum, maybe the the Museum of the Bible in D.C., or if you stop by Grand Rapids to the Bible's international headquarters, you can see on their walls also some some pages of very old manuscripts. Manuscript just means handwritten documents. Some very old pages of Scripture text. When I see those, I'm reminded, not that that was the first one. They're not that old. But I'm reminded of this. That the first time the ink hit the page, that was a miracle. Would you agree with me? That was a miracle. God reaches through the time-space continuum to reveal himself. He tears back the veil and he he reveals himself to us. He had no need to do that. He had no compulsion outside of himself to do that for us. And yet he did. He told us about himself. He told us about ourselves. He told us about this world. Yes, Facebook could tell you what some company says about their product. But what about God? What is God's opinion of his products? We are the creation of God. None of us here would have any two of our atoms sticking together for our body. We would all be nuclear bombs today. If it wasn't for God himself holding, Colossians 1 says, the the power of the word of Jesus Christ himself keeps us together. He is giving you life and breath and health right now. We are only here because of God, and that God who created everything out of nothing— Tells us what we need to know about this word. He wrote the book on life. God's word comes from God. This is an incredibly important passage on that. And yet, in the same breath that God says that the word of God comes from the breath of God, he says this, verse 16 again All scripture is breathed out by God and profitable profitable. God's word comes from God, but God's word also helps us to grow. God's word is useful for certain things. Uh, I might postpone my, uh, my pulling the trigger on getting a new cell phone, but I've been looking at different specs of different models uh, recently, and uh, you can read all kinds of data on different spec lists, um, and, and different ones have different strengths and weaknesses. Um, and they, of course, have different costs that go with those. But as you read through those, there's a, certain, um, there's a certain function, a certain feature that you might not be aware of, that most cell phones actually have this, but they might not tell you this. Okay? So if you take a 2x4 and you, you balance, kind of perpendicular to the 2x4, to the a nail, and you take that cell phone and bam, 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 you drive that nail in, it's really useful for them. Did you know that? Yeah, it's something that not many people will tell you. Right? Now, would that work? Maybe, right? Depending on the, on the model or how much of a case you have for it. But is that what it's intended for? No, definitely not. Paul warns Timothy repeatedly in his letters to Timothy that many people use the Word of God. Oh yeah, they use the Word of God. They say, listen to me. I want all of the fame and prestige of a spiritual leader and a teacher. And they use the Word of God that way, but they use it only for their own devices. There are people who say, oh yeah, I, I trust the Bible. In fact, I trust the Bible so much that nobody else can tell me what to do. I'm just gonna use the Bible myself and then I'll shield myself off from any kind, of, uh, any kind of advice, good, godly, spiritual advice that I might get from somebody else because after all, I have the Holy Spirit and because the Bible says I have the Holy Spirit, I don't have to listen to anybody. What are they doing? They're using, are they using the Word of God? Oh yeah, they're using the Word of God. Just like the cell phone. You can use it in all kinds of ways. But God says here, my word comes from me. I wrote it. And then he tells us, in the same breath, in this context where Paul is telling Timothy, this is what you ought to do, pastor. Okay? He tells us that the Bible is good for specific things. And we would do well to know what those things are and use the Bible that way. That's why we're here this morning. As we look at this passage, God says... Listen up. My word, God's word, is from God. And secondly, God's word helps us to grow. So let's look at these four specific things that God says in this passage are that the Bible is profitable for these things. Just a reminder, at the beginning of verse 16, we find how much of Scripture comes from God? All of Scripture comes from God. And as... We have thought about this, as, as theologians have thought about this passage. Uh, yes, it's true that the Bible as a, as a whole is profitable, okay, is is from God. What I think he's trying to say here, he is saying here, is more the concept of every. That is, all, not just as a totality, but as we say in, in theology, every single word. We call it verbal plenary. That means every word. Every single word comes from God. If it wasn't that way, then little bits here or there, people could kind of snip out of their Bible. And they have, literally sometimes. Because they don't like what God says about that. Do we have anybody doing that in today's culture? Oh, yeah. But every single bit of it comes from God, and every single bit of it is profitable, useful in these four ways. What's the first one? He says in verse 16, All Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching. For teaching. This is a very general word used a lot of times in the New Testament for instruction, just teaching. Did you know that God's Word is good for that? Well, you say, well, of course. That's what we we do is we teach the Word of God. But there are people who build their own personal theologies, and all of us have our own personal theologies. Nothing wrong with that. The point is whether or not it's biblical. We all have thoughts about God. We all have thoughts about what he has said in his word. But are we getting that teaching from the word? And are we using the word to teach? The Bible says that God's word is profitable for teaching. It's good for laying the foundation, for using the the building metaphor, for digging up the substructure and putting that in, in the right way. It's good for building up by putting up the studs. It's good for putting on the roof. But it's also good after the walls are there and the furniture's there, it's good for the wallpaper. Okay? Every little nuance of God's word, we need to go, every single nuance of teaching, we need to go to God's word for that. We say, well, I think this about this topic. I think this. I'm guilty of that all the time. And yes, we have to think, but what has God said? Is that where we're getting our foundations? God says, my word is useful for that. So let me ask you are you using God's word to teach? And you say, well, you know, that's that's for teachers. Well, yeah, but Deuteronomy says, parents, you need to be teaching when? Only when the kids get out of school? No. At every point of life, you ought to be inculcating your kids with, and your grandkids, with the message of God's Word. What part of your life is untouched by God's Word? Your kids will see that. And you will are teaching your kids based on your experience of life too. Based on your example of life, you are teaching your children that that part of my life, that doesn't need to be touched the Word of God. But God's Word is good for teaching. It should instruct us in everything that we believe. Commentators, look at this passage, uh, some, and I think it's useful, And, and look at these four and divide them into two. The first two being faith and the second two being practice. So we have positively teaching, negatively reproof, and then for practice negatively, correction, and positively for training in righteousness. So the second one here, still talking perhaps about faith, what we believe. First, we have teaching. And teaching means we need to orient our understanding of the world we are in and our responsibilities within it according to God's word. But secondly, for reproof. For reproof. This is refuting error. Did you know that God's word is good for refuting error? So positively speaking, we know what we ought to believe about God. We know what we ought to believe about good, solid Bible doctrine. What about the things that are not correct? What about the ideas or the broad ideology or specific ideas that are not according to Scripture? Did you know that God's Word is good for that too? When's the last time you have told someone no? When you've said no, that's not true. Or maybe you've had to stop yourself and say, "No, that's not what I ought to believe about God." You know, no matter what culture you're in, maybe you're uh, if if you're on the other side of the world and you have, broadly speaking, maybe a, an Eastern kind of mindset, uh, more of a, a group mentality. That um, it's it's a bad thing culturally to kind of put your head up uh, and and tell and stand up in the crowd and tell somebody. That they're wrong, because after all, we're all supposed to be maintaining, actively maintaining the status quo. Or, if you're in our own kind of culture here, more of our individualistic bubbles, and we say the worst possible thing is to reach outside of my bubble into theirs and tell them, no, 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 you're wrong, right? Just culturally, you're not supposed to do that. You believe what you believe, I believe what I I believe, right? And we're all just fine with that. No. The Bible says we ought to reprove using the Bible and tell someone, no, no, I know my Bible. I know my Bible, and that's not right. You say, oh, that sounds pretty confrontational. Is that what God wants you to do? Why do we even have a Bible? Okay, okay part of scripture engagement is asking that same, that that very question. Okay, so now we put a Bible in somebody's hands. Great. Why do you even have a Bible? Because you're supposed to be telling other people what it says. At the same time, do you think all of us are, are, are just right in line, or the people in your, in your family, or the people at work? Are they all right in line with what the Bible says? No, they're not. And so you're supposed to use the Bible to tell them, no, you're not in line. It's not this, it's this. God's word is good for that, for teaching and for reproof. Thirdly here, we kind of cross the divide from doctrine into practice, from faith into practice. And so thirdly here, we have negatively speaking for correction. God says here that... His word is good for helping people do the 180. In their practical lives, some people do what is wrong sometimes. Did you know that? (laughs) Did you know that some people aren't perfect all the time? And sometimes we sort of cite that fact that we all know and say, well, it's okay for me not to be perfect. The fact is, sin is sin. When God says something is wrong, we should not do that one. So if you're talking with a Christian brother who knows not to do that because, why? Because he's got it up here, right? He's got the teaching. He knows what to do. He even tells himself sometimes what is not right, so he's got that too, but then he's not living according to doctrine. What does this tell us? This tells us That God expects us to read between the lines. God expects us to apply the scriptures. Some people say to their pastors or about their pastors, well, he can teach me what the Bible says, but if he starts crossing that line into application, he's like, no, 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 that's not what you're supposed to be doing, pastor. Now you're getting to meddling. And nobody should be able to tell me what to do. Remember we said that earlier. That's misusing the word of God. The Bible right here. What is the Bible good for? What is the Bible supposed to do? It's supposed to do this. It's good for correction to tell us, no, no, don't go that way. Go the other way. Stop doing that. We all need that, don't we? Ephesians chapter 4 says that God has given the pastor to equip the people to do the work of the ministry. And what is the work of the ministry? Well, it's to grow the church. Well, not just in numbers, but in quality. And who does that? it's the church. We're supposed to be, Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in love with each other. Speaking the truth in love. And that doesn't just mean when you're about to tell someone how bad they look in that dress, you say, bless your heart, right? That's not just the speaking the truth in love. We're talking about Bible truth. Bible truth, we are supposed to be constantly interacting about Bible truth. Well, what good is that? Well, Ephesians 4 says, when we do that, we grow. As one person grows, we all grow. And I love the Bible studies that are going on here. I'm looking forward to being with the men tonight. Uh, The Bible studies the pastoral staff have put a lot of time and effort and prayer into designing. I love what's going on here at Maranatha in that regard. Why? Partially because it's training the people that it's good and right and proper to talk to each other about bible things and even to the to the depth of getting into correction applying the word to our actual lives we need to do that that's not why we pay our pastors that they do that no you're supposed to be doing that why because god gave you a bible why do you have the bible what's it even good for well it's good for teaching It's good for reproof. It's good for correction. And lastly, it's good for training in righteousness. Training in righteousness. This is the concept of someone who wants to know, wants to keep growing. Paul tells Timothy, keep on, keep on keeping on. But what does that look like? Somebody comes up to you and says, I really want to serve the Lord more. I really want to use my life for God. Does that mean you have to be some foreign missionary person? No, but God has a life for you and he has an intention for what you do with it. So what are you doing with it? You say well brother alex i i, I don't I don't know I mean I'm kind of going along and I'm not doing bad things and i I don't say nasty things to people and I have a a better attitude at work all the time it seems I I just don't know you know what I need to do extra well have you stagnated? are you growing? are you increasing in how you're using the, the precious minutes that God has given you in the life that he's given you? well how do I do that? well God gave you a Bible and the Bible's good for that the Bible's good for that but crucially, we find in this passage that God himself, when he says his word comes from him and it's helpful for us to grow, he also says that he gave it to us for a reason. And that reason is that God's word helps our leaders to lead. I remember our context. Paul is t- talking to Timothy saying, stay in the wor- the word trust in God's word, it's going to help you to grow. God's word, Timothy, comes from God. And it's useful for these things, and this is why. So God only tells, not only tells us what it's good for, how it can be useful, how it is beneficial, but he also gives us a reason. And you might be surprised what this reason is. Verse 17 begins this way. That, and this is a so that, what I just said is true for this, I believe it's a purpose. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. You may think that this man of God is just generally speaking about everybody. Is God's word good for everybody? Yes. Is God's word actually profitable for these things that we've been saying that God's word is profitable for? Yes, it is. But here, God gives us, very interestingly to me, why he gave us the Bible. There are lots of reasons. But here, he gives us this particular reason, and what is that? It's so that you would follow your pastor. Do you see that in the text? I do. I do. I do. Look at verse 17 again. That the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. When this passage says the man of God, I think it's literally this. The man of God. That is, it's godly male leadership in the local church. God gave us his word so that godly male leaders would lead in godly ways. Why do I say that? Well, keep reading. So what what does Paul do? Verse 1 of chapter 4. I charge you in the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who is to judge, the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom. Okay, question. Is he serious? Is Paul serious here? He says, yes, I'm serious. Let's just say that this is the throne room of God, and God is sitting right there, and Paul puts Timothy in there, and Paul puts Paul in there, and says, I know God is listening, and Timothy, I'm going to tell you this. Okay, so what is he supposed to do? Preach the word. Be ready in season and out of se- season. And is this, does this sound familiar? Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. What do you think that good work is in chapter 3, verse 17? The good work of 17 that the man of God is supposed to be doing is the four things that we talked about in verse 16 that the Bible is good for. So who is this man of God in verse 17? It's Timothy in his pastoral role. Also, in the Old Testament, we find this phrase, the man of God, as even the label given to nameless prophets. And then named prophets like Moses and uh, and. Abraham, uh, some other people in the Old Testament are given this label, the man of God. When we find here, verse 17, God gives us the Bible that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. What is he telling us? He's telling us this. Just like we find in Ephesians 4, which we don't have time to look at today. In Ephesians 4, again, what is the pastor's role? To equip the people to do the work of the ministry. So how do you equip people, any people to use the Bible in an effective way so that they can help other people in the church to grow. How do you do that? Teach reprove, correct and instruct righteousness this is what a pastor ought to do this is why God gave us the Bible God gave us the Bible so that leaders will lead and if they lead well what happens? The people under them follow and use the Bible. And when they use the Bible, they speak the truth in love, and then the body builds itself up. God's word comes from God. It helps us to grow, and it helps our leaders to lead. In conclusion today, I'd like to give five applications. Five applications. First, study God's word for yourself. Study God's word for yourself. God has given us an amazing privilege, and as English speakers, He's given us lots of good translations. Did you know that alternate translations are a commentary on every verse of the Bible? Right? God gives us lots of different commentary, lots of different commentaries, lots of different translations in English. We are so super abundantly blessed with resources that help us to understand the Bible. Are you using them? There are lots of free resources on apps. Talk to the, the pastors. Talk to maybe younger people. I don't know. But talk to people who are more tech savvy than you and maybe you can get that kind of stuff right in your hand and you can use it every day. Find ways that God, God's word can change your life all the time. Number two, teach God's word to children. We're already finding it in our nation that all it takes is one generation where God's church has not been all that effective in teaching the next generation and if you give that two generations or a generation and a half or something like that then you find that there is so much godlessness in our world. We need to give attention to the next generation. Teach God's word to children. Number three, pray that God will raise up more godly leaders in and from this church. Is that something that God wants to do? Do you think so? Do you think it's what God wants to do, that more godly leaders will be, ra- will be raised up from this very conversa- congregation? Yes. He tells us here, that's why he gave us the Bible. Right? So that godly leaders will lead well in the use of the Bible. So that's what he wants, even for this congregation. Pray that way. Pray that way. Number four, listen to your pastor. He didn't pay me, I promise. Okay? Listen to your pastor. God wants us all to grow. In the church, we follow his lead in that way. And as an application, for those of you who maybe haven't tried to come to the evening Bible studies, do it. Come. Guys, I'd love to see you there tonight. Okay? Use God's word that way. Follow the lead of the pastors here. Number five, ask God if He wants you more involved in word based ministry. More involved in word based ministry. Say, well, I I got a full time job. I'm not called to be a missionary. That's not what I'm saying. Now, it might be. (laughs) It might be for some of you. But what I'm saying is, there are always more opportunities to be involved in word based ministry. It doesn't even have to be a position. It doesn't even have to be paid. But what service does God want you to do by using the word of God from your mouth? Pray how God would want you to be more involved in ministry based on giving out the word of God to unsaved people, to save people in this congregation. God's word comes from God. Praise the Lord, we know that. It helps us to grow. And it helps our godly leaders to lead us. God expects us to read between the lines. God expects us to to study. God expects us to orient our lives based on the word of God. He expects us to overcome the error that we find in others, to use God's word as a reproof to other people. He expects us to change who we are and what we do based on his truth because it's good for correction. And he expects us to give ourselves to perseverance until the life and the task is done. It's good for instruction of righteousness even to the very end. What a great God we serve. We can praise him for revealing himself to us and for giving us exactly what we need to keep on growing day by day by his grace. Let's pray. Father, thank you very much for your word and for what you're doing in each and every one of our lives based on your word. We thank you. For this passage of scripture that reminds us that you are not silent but that you have given us exactly what we need. I pray Lord that if there's anybody here who has been ignoring the word of God ignoring what it says ignoring what those truths mean for their lives Lord I pray if there's anyone here who has never really interacted with scripture if there's anyone here who doesn't know the wonderful message of the truth of God of Jesus Christ who came to die for their sins, that if they put their full trust only in the sacrifice of Christ, that they can have eternal life not by being a better person or, or being uh, someone who tries to obey everything in the Word of God. No, but by faith in Christ, that message that we find in your Word. Lord, I pray that today might be the day where they seek someone out. Today might be the day where your Holy Spirit opens their eyes to the blinding glory of the gospel to know Jesus Christ as their own personal savior Lord I pray that for every one of us the Holy Spirit will cause us to understand how our lives should be better oriented towards your word because Lord you have given us for that given it to us for that very purpose we thank you for the privilege of joining together as a church family today around your word I pray that you would continue to help us to speak that truth the truth of your word each other in love to help each other to grow and we ask these things in christ's name